Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From our virtual studios in the Netherlands and Camarillo, California, comes a brand new episode of the greatest marketing podcast on planet Earth today, The Marketing Geeks. That's right. And today's show is amazing, folks. We have got some marketing news for you, and we have the next part of our seven-part series six-part series but who's counting six-part series that's right it's the marketing geeks show everybody we are going to teach you some techniques give you the latest news business development and it's going to be amazing it will change your life in strange and mysterious ways and i guarantee you 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 will leave empowered with your hosts Justin Womack and the incredible, the amazing, the awesome, and always entertaining Andros T. Sturgeon. Yes. And now, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the Marketing Geek Show has begun. Hello, everybody. It is an epic day. I am I am excited, man. I mean things have they just keep getting better. It's like an amazing time to be alive. That's right. Man. And today, like you mentioned and alluded to, today is part four of our Influence Pattern Secrets miniseries uh, focused on the book titled Influence by Robert Cialdini. And uh, today we are going to be talking about the magical powers of beans, social compliance. No. <laughs> what were you going to say? The magical fruit. I, I, that's so we're talking I, I, about consensus and compliance. And so, yeah, the magical food, we're not talking about that, but uh, okay. we could. Maybe we'll do a separate episode on that, and then it will become the seven-part series that you promised our viewers. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We have some shout-outs that we gotta give, man, like some super big shout-outs. 
That's right. Uh, first and foremost, we want to give a shout out to our newest donor, Jessica Wynn. Thank you, Thank you very much for giving to the show. And as a result, we did send her a couple of the webinar recordings. If you too want to listen to our past webinar recordings and become a supporter of the Marketing Geeks podcast, here's how to do it. Click the link in the show notes, contribute $1, $5, or $20, and you can get access to special benefits. If you go to our Patreon page, it'll actually list out the different benefits that we provide to our listeners because we love you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what? It allows us to save up to pay for an intern's coffee. Right now, the intern gets uh, dirty water out of a dog bowl. So uh, the intern's really thirsty. <laughs> he is. Well, the intern's a dog, but you know, that's that's what's going on, right? So uh yeah, and and uh and yeah, for for all the people that have been donating and uh reaching out to us, thank you. Uh your love has definitely helped us uh given us inspiration to continue to make the show better and uh we will continue to do that. Uh, along with some special guests, we uh, next week we're going to announce our next webinar. So stay tuned for that. This is open to all of our seven listeners, <laughs> and uh, we're going to do some interesting stuff next week. And uh, yeah, without further ado, how about some uh, how about some of that marketing news? There's some cool stuff happening. Marketing news. I came across this story. Marketing news. Uh, Vimeo has uh, just integrated with LinkedIn to enable video publishing to company pages. So Vimeo announced on Monday to end uh, to, to have end-to-end integration with LinkedIn via its publish to social feature. So this is kind of cool because, you know, if you don't know, um, uh, Justin and I are big fans of LinkedIn. It's our favorite social platform uh, in the world. And we love it. We have uh, we have taught many many people how to improve their uh, their LinkedIn profile, and we want to teach you how to do that too. In fact, probably going to do a webinar in the future on how to do that. Um, but uh, but the interesting thing about this is that uh, a lot of companies don't really know what their proposition is, like how to communicate. Well, who they are and what they do to the public at large. So being able to publish directly to your uh, business page is kind of neat because you can create a really fantastic video that explains who you are as a company. And uh, instead of just kind of sharing it, you can embed it onto your uh, with Vimeo onto your LinkedIn uh, company page. So that is a cool thing. Uh, utilize that. If you have any questions about how to tell a story, you can always reach out to us because we uh, we love telling you about that. In fact, if you become a donor, we will give you a private one-on-one on uh, how to do that. And we actually uh, – Justin and I charge money for this. I would hope usually, so. Right? Don't we? Uh, the, yeah, the, yeah. The rules on this – so you have to become a, a donor at $20 per month to get access to – it's a group call. Uh, but you get access with a private group call for uh, any of our donors at that level uh, with us once a month uh, for up to one hour, depending on how much you need to use it or what your questions are. You get access to us for one hour a month. So anyone that wants to, that way you're supporting the show, you're getting awesome benefits and, um, and you're, yeah, it's, uh, it's well, well worth it. So uh, next story of the day here, Andros, is that a report has come out. This is according to uh, TechCrunch. 
that live streaming TV services, uh, the viewing hours on those devices have grown 212% year over year. So we're talking about this is for like wow. smart TVs or devices like Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire Stick. And these account for 56% of uh, viewing habits right now. So this is kind of showing the demise of traditional cable that continues. I mean, I think traditional cable has been on a downward trajectory now for quite a long time. But we're seeing mm-hmm. that the uh, the death knell is ringing and we are seeing that uh, I don't, I mean, other than the fact that the cable companies still control the cable modems, I think they're in trouble outside of their access to controlling the internet. So we might be seeing, I'm anticipating that they're going to be like, raising the price of internet if they're if they can get if they can do that i don't know uh what kind of regulation place oh they could do whatever they want i i mean you know i used to work for the for the um one of the um most loved companies in in america and i can't say the name but it rhymes with comcast one of these days you're gonna tell me who it is and um (laughs) it uh uh yeah, I, I will. I will. But I, I need to I signed an NDA, so I can't tell you. But uh, but what they used to do is is uh, every year they just increase the cable, the price of the Internet. Um, they tried to do these things where they would put caps on it, where if you went over 300 gigabytes, they would charge you extra. And, you know, they're, they're just trying to find ways to. Uh, you know, make money off of off of you, the general public, because they make a ton of money off the internet, but they actually kind of they're starting to lose money off of cable, and that's why when you go to purchase your internet package, uh, they will tell you that it's going to be cheaper with cable, because then they can uh, continuously say that they are gaining subscribers, but it's all smoke and mirror. Know, they, they always try to give me to add cable it. in my subscription. But, uh, I'm always getting those calls, but I'm like, no, I don't want it. I just want internet. And you know, I I'm up to because I pay for the most expensive. I have 300 uh, megabits per second on my internet, which I don't actually even get. I don't think mm-hmm. because of the way my you know setup is. But the point is, I pay for it, and I'm paying a hundred dollars a month just for that. Nothing else. No cable. No other benefits. Um, so thank you. Thank you, cable company, for a $100 internet. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you pay it. And if they and you know what? If they raised it to 110 what are you going to do? Go to the other internet cable company? Yeah, I'm going to pay. It's, it's actually, I mean, of all the expenses that I have, it's the most valuable for my business. So I'm going to pay. Yeah. Unfortunately, I shouldn't say this out loud because they're probably listening because I'm, I'm sure that Comcast or, or whatever rhymes with that is, uh, is one of our major listeners here. So I shouldn't be saying one of that. our seven seven <laughs> listeners could be could be. I, I actually uh, believe it or not, I have I do have cable, and that's simply because it helps me learn Dutch. So um, I uh, I watch uh, a lot of this these dumb reality TV shows all in Dutch, and uh, that it can uh, learn my Netherlands to spread. So there you go. That's that's what I. That's, that's the only purpose it has. I, I know, isn't it? Amazing. Amazing. So uh, in other news, uh, G Plus is going down. The uh, Google's long attempt at trying to get into the social media game is going down in flames after they had a huge hack uh, that had been going on for several years, actually. And uh, they just tried to downplay it. But, you know, if you had a Google Plus account, which everyone did if you had Gmail, then uh, most likely you had some of your data compromised. And so 
they're shutting down G plus for consumers, but keeping it open for businesses. The thing is with, with G plus, it's been a ghost town for years. The only reason that I have had a G plus account was for SEO because Google controls SEO. They control the number one search engine and having a Google plus account previously helped with that a little bit. Um, but other than that, nobody actually uses Google plus or they've never, I mean, it never really took off. So it's pretty much been just a ghost town anyway. So it's, I think it's a good product. It's about time to retire that product. So I, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Google plus is, uh, going to die and the internet goes, huh? Okay. Yeah, so what's Google plus? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, what other stories do we have here? What's going on in the uh, in the world? In the world of marketing, large. Yeah, I got one more marketing story, um, and then All we right. can kind of get into our main topic uh, of the day. But the the other marketing story that I wanted to bring up is that this company Edo or E D O. I don't know if it's the acronym or if it's called Edo. They're a startup that uses consumer behavioral data from search engines and shopping sites to measure effectiveness of TV ads. They raised $12 million in Series A funding. But you know what's most fascinating about this entire story? Do tell. Edward Norton, the star of Fight Club and movies like The 25th Hour and The Incredible Hulk before he was replaced by another actor. <laughs> he is the uh, he, he is the co-founder of the company. And, and it's kind of interesting that they're um, – they're, well, they're, they're, I think they're, they're pulling data from so search engines and shopping sites to get better effectiveness of television ads, which is somewhat interesting because we just talked about how TV industry is dying. But you know, for years and years, I mean, everything is based on uh, Nielsen ratings, which are a pretty arbitrary metric because it's really just looking at a series of Nielsen boxes and assuming that they, they take that data and extrapolate it out to a wide population and assume that those are accurate numbers. But really, there's probably a better way to track that stuff and better analytics that can be had with the current state of technology. So I think uh, I imagine that that's kind of where they're going with this. It's, it's interesting. What, any any thoughts there, Andros, other than the fact that you're a huge Edward Norton fanboy? Yes, uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think good for him because uh, now that he had to find new work after losing his Bruce Banner gig, um, I, uh, I actually, you know, I was doing market research for, uh, a company called, uh, National Research Group, NRG, which is a subsidiary of the Nielsen Group. So I worked for Nielsen for a bit. Uh, actually I worked for them for a decade and, uh, yes, it, it is, it, it, there is kind of a gap to figure out, uh, user engagement between, uh, watching television and how people, you know, watch TV and, you know, what they do on social media. One indicator is, of course, Twitter. But, you know, I don't feel Twitter is as relevant as it used to be. And, and but most people uh, watching TV, I, I saw a statistic, I think it was like 80% or 89% of all people who watch television watch it with a device in their hand. So that's kind of um, kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, I think if Edward Norton can figure out how to um, – uh, you know, connect those that bridge between like social engagement versus TV watching, and he's kind of cracked that nut. Then, um, you know, maybe he can figure out how to keep himself from turning into the Incredible Hulk. Well, I mean, in the Incredible Hulk, he played a pretty brilliant scientist, so I imagine that he's exactly that same one in real life. Yes, because we all know the Incredible Hulk was a documentary. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so all right i'd like to get into our our main subject of the day how does that sound 
I think that sounds great. So uh, why don't you give us a kind of a um, an overview of where we have been? Okay, so uh, this is part four of our series on the influence patterns as laid out in the book Influenced by Robert Cialdini, which I said in the intro here. Um, but so far, we have covered the principles of authority. And just I'm going to give you like a one-sentence summary of each of these. So authority is the idea that you're building credibility. I always say that in the past, we have been in like a credentialing society where credibility was reserved for people with credentials like MBAs or PhDs or MDs. Uh, but nowadays, you can do it through alternative means. Like you can write an ebook and become an author. So being an author isn't um, as hard as it used to be. The, the barrier to entry is lower on some of these things. You could become an author. You could become a speaker. You can host a podcast. All of these things are ways of building credibility in alternative ways. So we talked a lot about that um, on that episode. So you can go back to episode 19 on authority. Episode 20, we talked about reciprocity. And the idea here is that what you give, you're going to get back. Uh, when you give to your customers, it creates a subconscious sense of almost like guilt in the brain. And they want to do something back for you. When you give something to someone, people naturally, intuitively like to give back to people that give to them. So when you even if they're giving information and giving value, people want to give value back. So that can translate to sales. It can translate to referrals. It can translate to a number of things. That was covered in episode 20. And in episode number 21, we talked about what was our last what was our last one? Scarcity. Scarcity. See, uh, it's so rare that I almost forgot it right there. Um, so we talked about scarcity in episode 21, which is the idea that uh, as things become more scarce, the value increases. So if I tell you that something is available for a limited time, it becomes more desirable because I. it, it also creates a sense of urgency that you're going to need to act now. Or if I tell you that there's only a certain number of units available, it becomes a little bit more valuable. So it, it's the idea of uh, dwindling numbers increase value. If you think about this in terms of like gold and silver, those are scarce metals um, and, or rare metals. And those are obviously the most valuable metals on earth. So Limited resources are more desired. And today, we are on number four. And number four is, uh, in the book, it's referred to as consensus. You can also uh, think about this as like social compliance. And one of the best examples of this in, in as an influence pattern is to actually look at, like, if you watch, there's a, um, he's actually a hypnotist, but if you watch this doc documentary on Netflix, it's called The Push by Darren Brown. It's a good example of this. He is uh, he's very much interested in the subject of social compliance. And he does an example where he has a um, so he has a line of seven chairs in a room and he has three actors that are already in the room. And in psychology experiments, they would call these people confederates. That's just a term in a psychology book has nothing to do with the Civil War. And um, so they have three of these people are occupying chairs. They're holding clipboards. They're filling out forms and they're all standing and then they bring in one person who is not an actor into the room. They tell them to fill out the form. But as they, uh, as that person comes in, there's a bell that rings. And when the bell rings, the three people that are actors all sit down. And the other person has not been given any instructions. And what happens is, in, invariably, the person that is not the actor will follow suit and sit when the bell rings and then stand again when the bell rings again. And so the, the numbers are like 95% of people will end up complying with the social pressure of doing the same thing that a group is doing 
all the way to the point where they will eventually fill all seven chairs with non-actors, or I'm sorry, the, the remaining four chairs with non-actors, and then they'll remove the actors from the room and the people will continue to sit and stand when the bell rings, even after they've left. So is that, were you able to follow that, Andres? Was that clear with that? Yeah. So basically it's like, it's like there's an innate sort of uh, pattern following that humans do where if they see a pattern developing, uh, they'll tend to follow the pattern uh, regardless of whether or not it makes any sense. Exactly. And, and if you think about like the, the old stories where people would witness um, witness a crime and somebody's yelling for help and then everybody looks around to their uh, to the, all the other witnesses and nobody's doing anything. So nobody does anything because they think the next person's going to do it or they or they just kind of they follow the crowd. So unless you yell something like fire, they always say that's the only thing that really drives people out of their little trance state and, and breaks that um, kind of social conformity. But it's the idea that we are more comfortable conforming with the people around us than um, standing out as an individual in a lot of ways. Because if we if we take action against the crowd, then we're we're forcing ourselves to stand out. By the way, voting is this uh, Tuesday, everybody. So don't forget to vote. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's just... But you don't even live in the United States. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I, I, I just, just vote, just vote. That has nothing to do with anything. It's just stand up and vote. Do something. Do stand up against the crowd. I don't know. I don't know what that that relates to anything. It's just, just reminded well, me of the, that. The other, the other example in the book is this idea that there is. Um, they talk about a ho- the hotel business, and they talk about this story where um, when you're when you're in a hotel. You've often noticed probably that um, you'll find like a card in the bathroom and the, the card will be there with the intention to get uh, to try to persuade guests to reuse their towels and their linens. And most of those cards will say something about like, do this to protect the environment. And that's usually a strong message. And when they have a card like that, that kind of brings attention to environmental advocacy and brings attention to the cause, it, it tends to increase compliance by 35 percent. But... When they tried this as an experiment and they changed the language to say instead that people who check into a hotel for four nights or longer uh, will reuse their towels at some point during their stay. And they said mm. 75% of people that, that do that will reuse the towels. So when they, when they did that and they said that 75% of people would do this, it actually ended up increasing reuse of towels by another 26%. So instead of, just, instead of that 35% level, it went up to um, – 61%. And then when they, uh, when they took this a step further and they said that people in this hotel room that you're staying in, uh, 75% of people that stayed in this room have reused their towel. You know what, what's interesting is if you tell somebody that they were going to do that, like if you tell, um, if I was to tell you, Andres, that do you think that would influence you? What would you say? I would say uh, probably because it's, again, it's social proof. It's like, oh, well, uh, everyone else is doing it. So, yeah. It's true. But I think uh, most people, when asked the question whether or not that would influence them, they'll be like, no, that's not going to influence me. I don't think that's going to have any influence on me whatsoever. But the results of the experiment were that it increased it by another 33% when they put that messaging on it. So the the messaging with uh, specificness was the most effective at getting people to reuse their towels. And we, we've talked about this, I think, on prior shows about like herd mentality. Yeah. People love to follow the herd. And so when you, and even we talked about like when you um, were selling door to door, Yeah, if you tell people that your their neighbors are buying, that's the most powerful way to 
increase sales is to tell people that their neighbors are buying the same product. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've used that technique myself uh, when I was a telemarketer. But, you know, it, it works uh, both ways. Here's an interesting uh, story. You know, back when I was working uh, for the market research company, uh, we did test screenings for basically every single studio, including Miramax. And back then, this was in the 90s, uh, people knew all about Harvey Weinstein. They knew what was going on. It was kind of a, a running I wouldn't say running joke, but uh, everyone knew, right? Everybody knew. And uh, so uh, one of the reasons that a lot of women never said anything was because they would wait to see what happened if any women did stand up. And usually what would happen is one woman would stand up and say something, and then systematically they would watch their career get destroyed. And so, or they wouldn't be believed. And so other women kind of took that as a cue to not do anything about it or not say anything about it. That's, so, a, that's a great point, though, Andres, because. We're seeing this again and again with uh, even like we think about Bill Cosby, like think about the victims of like of him and how it took it took the first one to stand up and, you know, risk her career uh, before the other victims would would come up and right. say the same thing. So it's like they, they're waiting for the social cue that it's going to be OK. They're waiting for um, they don't want to be the only one. They don't want to be that individual standing outside of the norm. So. Yeah, and it's 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 hard to be that first, you know, the first man on the moon. You 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 want to be able to, you know, everybody thinks that they're a trailblazer, but but really, you know, you're you're if you you don't want to be the one to stand up and say, "Hey, this is wrong," or buy this product or whatever. I mean, if you're the the first one there, most people are going to. Uh, look at you funny until there's like the hundredth monkey, which if you don't know uh, that analogy, uh, it's a, it's a, I don't know if this is a parable or if this, this actually happened, but it's uh, uh, the story is, is that there was a, uh, a monkey that used to uh, live in this tribe and the, 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 the monkeys would, would, would happen as they would take fruit that would fall from the tree and they would just pick it up and eat it. And it would be covered with dirt and ants and one monkey got the idea to go down to the river and start washing the fruit off. And uh, the other monkeys didn't pay any attention to it. But then one day another monkey showed up and another monkey. And then pretty soon uh, there was like this tipping point where a, the hundredth monkey went down to the river to wash his fruit off. And pretty soon everybody did that. And it became – it became the the social norm in that in that monkey tribe, so you know. But this is this is kind of how society works, right? Where there are, uh, in fact, I've got a funny story. This is true. Um, I uh, I was working for a uh, software company, doing some work for them, and uh, it was all all Dutch people, and they had some hard boiled eggs. They eat a lot of hard boiled eggs at lunch. And so uh, the uh, the woman who worked in the office was trying to get rid of the last hard-boiled egg. So I told her, I said, why don't you just put it in the fridge? And there was some other people kind of cleaning up from lunch, and they all kind of looked at me. And she goes, well, uh, we don't do that because it's still warm. And I go, yeah, but if you put it in the fridge, it will get cooler, right? And she goes, yeah, but we, we don't put warm eggs in the fridge, and everyone, I looked around and the other people were kind of like shaking their head like, no, we don't, we don't really do that. And I'm like, well, why not? And one of the guys just looked at me and he goes, because we just don't do that here. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. It's just like this social thing. And so there's, there's like interesting things here. Like you don't ask for a doggy bag, for instance. You don't ask for like a to-go container here, right? And and there's no reason for it. It's just like that's just how it's done. So if I'm but the guy – let me ask you this. Do you find yourself now complying with the new social norms or are you uh, being a rebel and are you still asking for doggy bags? I, I will actually uh, purposefully hard-boiled eggs and then just put them in the fridge in front of everybody and just stare at them. With like a, <laughs> you, are, you are one of the few that likes that individuality. <laughs> heck yeah, man. It's got me into trouble, but you know what? That's how I roll. But uh, <laughs> anyway, but you, I mean, this is all bringing up a good point because uh, what this says at the end of the day, and especially if you are a product or a service and you're doing some uh, some advertising around it, is you want social proof, right? You want yeah, you cool. want to be able to show that, uh, like, even if you're like some innovative, groundbreaking product, you want to do it in a way that that basically shows the world that. Everybody is doing this. This is some. This is not. Uh, you know, this is new, but it's not new. And uh, we we tend to we we are a a social animal that also likes conformity, whether we like to admit it or not. And so, in in any type of advertising uh, or 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 you know, the, the type of thing that you do, you've got to have this social proof. And otherwise you're just going to, you're not going to make it because if it's too weird or too out of the ordinary, uh, you know, people aren't going to gravitate towards it. But, you know, I love David Lynch films, but uh, would you rather be David Lynch, uh, make, be the producer of a David Lynch film or, or the producer of Harry Potter? <laughs> Would you rather be the producer of a David Lynch film or a Michael Bay film? And that's like an interesting question because that brings up weird ethical things. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, I got a few more yeah. things I wanted to bring up here, though. Um, so, like examples of this in the real world. I mean, you've seen this on commercials all the time. Nine out of ten dentists recommend this toothpaste. Uh, things like that. Uh, but then testimonials. So again, you know, I, I come from the seminar world. Like every time there's a presenter on stage. During the presentation, you're going to see weaved in testimonial stories. They're short stories that are there for the reason of providing social proof that this has worked for people like you. People like you that were down on their luck, not having success. They used my program. All of a sudden, they had tremendous success. Things like that. If you've also been to a seminar, you've probably seen this. A lot of times, they will have a line of uh, like a panel, like a line of like six chairs, um, they have six guests that come on the stage. All of them were usually past clients of the presenter. And all of them are there essentially to provide social proof that this program worked for them and to share their story briefly. Um, but it, it's it's showing you that people connect to these stories and they, they want to see that whatever you are selling has worked for other people. Uh, if you're B2B, a lot of times you'll see this on websites that they'll have like a page that says companies I've worked with and they'll have a list of the biggest companies they've worked with. And companies like to see that someone they're going to do business with has worked with other major companies. So um, all of this stuff, social proof um, and consensus, it, it all shows up all the time yeah. in market. Whether we, we realize it or not. So, so how would you handle something? Like let's say that you have – um, a brand new product that has never been like 
you know, you, like it's kind of new to the market and you have to kind of get people interested in an idea that they're not used to. How would you go about doing that if you don't have like well, any- what kind of a product are we talking about here? Are we talking about a like a product that is to to make money? Are we talking about a consumer product? Like, give me an example of what kind of product. Uh, let's just say like it's a left nostril inhaler. <laughs> A left nostril inhaler. Well, uh, number one, I want to I want to establish that it's um, that there's a there's a large group of people that are using this inhaler, uh, and then and then second is it's like I want to create the create those testimonial stories. So, you know, if you've ever watched television, you've seen the infomercials. They're very much structured in the same way as that um, that you would see on like a stage from a seminar sales point. And if you watch these, you'll, you're going to have some you're going to have people come on and tell their stories about how they use this product. And how it changed their life. So I want to. I want a story about the person that could barely breathe out of their nose. Um, they had severe asthma. Uh, you know, life uh, it, it, because of it, they couldn't go to work. They were making less money. All of a sudden, they put this nostril inhaler in, in their nose. Now they're breathing clear. They're running marathons. All of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, their income has gone from you know uh, five hundred dollars a month. Now they're making five grand a month because, or ten grand a month because they are able to breathe. Better. And not only that, but the quality of the air that they're breathing, it's bringing in new levels of oxygen, which is giving them an oxygen high. So they feel better about themselves and, uh, and it's, it's transforming their entire existence. They're able to pick up their grandchildren. They're able to, uh, you know, yeah, basically have better relationships. Right. Um, but side effects may know. include dizziness. Unable to drive a vehicle. Let's not focus Death on in some cases. Andros. Let's focus on the fact that these people are breathing and and they've transformed their lives. Never mind that. I know by law, by law, I have to actually read the list of side effects at the end of. You got to do really fast, bro. So you got to. I mean, you got to do it really fast. Like, well, I know. Five hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will. I will have to do that in in the ad copy. But no, I mean, you bring up. I got for this uh, influence topic. I mean, we could, I could go on and on and on, but I mean, that's the the main meat of what we're talking about. I think I've covered here. So yeah, no, and that's that that that's all really. So basically, when you boil it down, it's like uh, when you're doing this type of marketing, you have to convince the end user that all the neighbors are using it, and you're kind of the only person that's not. And uh, if you're if you have an ailment, then this is the thing that will fix it. Take this guy. Look at him. He used it, and now he's you know breathing better with his left nostril inhaler. Yeah, and look at the guy that was using the uh, the generic inhaler. That guy is like in a hospital. Oh, that breathing. dude. He doesn't have a left nostril anymore. It now, just uh, it, on one of those voice boxes because he can't you know he can't uh, do well. And- <laughs> poor bastard. <laughs> using brand x (laughs) (laughs) so but you know uh you know what i would never use an off brand of ever Hmm. Hmm. oh yeah oh my goodness you know what that means it is time for the sex robot report that's right Mm. give me some more oh yeah yeah, that's it, baby. All right. So this comes 
from uh, RT.com. That's uh, RT stands for Russia Today. So Vladimir Vladimir Putin's uh, paper. So we all know that it's very trustworthy. Um, let's see. This uh, story is world's first sex robot resort lets customers pay to take bots, quote, virginity. Yes. Uh, as sex robots take over the world's oldest profession, robot brothel madams must set themselves up apart. In California, the world's only, quote, consent-focused robot brothel, unquote, will let consumers pay to take a robot's, quote, virginity. I like how, how they, they say that, if, first of all, it's in California. Second of all, it's a consent-focused robot brothel. Yeah, I was thinking, I was focused on that, consent-focused. Oh, okay, I'm like, wow, okay, so they're very progressive with this brothel. Yeah, really, that robot lets you do that? Yes, I got consent. That's so. The robot gave me permission. <laughs> robot brothels have been popping up all over Europe since 2017. I live in Europe. I've yet to see one. But Americans haven't exactly jumped on the trend quite yet. Still, uh, Unicole Unicorn, owner of Eve's Robot Dreams, thinks the demand is going to be big. And so with that, they are opening up in West Hollywood, California, uh, a chance to let uh, men take a, quote, robot's virginity for $10,000. Afterwards, the robot will continue to work in the brothel. Do they, how do we know that this is uh, this is truly a um, a virgin robot? I mean, are we going to watch it come off the assembly line, or like how do I how do I verify this? I uh, I would assume that they will uh, tell you. It'll be in the algorithm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's it has to be true, and this comes from a Vladimir Putin endorsed uh, news source, so we do know that it's true. That's right. Or, that's right. Otherwise, uh, differently. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna skip the rest of the article and just go right to the one sentence that really just jumped out and hit me in the noggin. That sentence is: Guests can have an orgy with multiple robots if they choose. That's it for the sex oh, robot. Wow. What was that, a unicorn or something? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, also, also definitely a birth name. Unicorn, Unicorn, Unicorn. <laughs> Probably a burner. My guess. Oh boy. Both of those were clearly on their birth certificates when they were born. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would double check this, uh, you know, just to see if this is legit. But uh, we, have not, we have not run this by Snopes yet or had fact checkers uh, double check our information. But this, this does come from RT. So, uh, but here's the thing. For, so for $10,000, though, this is, the, like, this is the kind of the funny thing. For $10,000, you could like, you know, have a, quote, virgin robot. But uh, can't you just buy one for that? I mean, like, like a, get your own? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the price what point is. Uh, this is a new market, so I, I'm still learning about the market. You're teaching me. Yeah, but see, the thing is, is that I don't know if you know this or not, but there are a lot of people who are actually buying virginity from their sex robots. It's, uh, in fact, uh, I, I can give you several testimonials and uh, <laughs> show you. 
All of my neighbors have already been doing. <laughs> Every single one of your neighbors, your wife actually uh, has um, is has already has already signed up. So, what are you well, waiting oh, for? Crap. <laughs> you have a form. I'll fill it out now. <laughs> Give me that form. All right. So, uh, uh, finally, closing out the show, we got some geek news for you. We we've been we've been a little little short on geek news over the past few weeks, but we got some good ones. That's right. Uh, uh, first and foremost, uh, we got some Avatar sequel news. Very exciting. Yeah. I, I'm a fan of James Cameron, so I'm actually one of the few people that is openly excited for the Avatar sequels, sort of. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't even, I'm not, I don't even know that I'm that excited, but I have faith because it comes from James Cameron, and he's That's right. pretty solid character. Um, so Sigourney Weaver recently tweeted, I believe, that she was in the middle of filming Avatar 4 and 5. Which is interesting because James Cameron had previously uh, stated, no, well, first of all, uh, we, we've known this for a while that they are planning four Avatar sequels, not one Avatar sequel, but four Avatar sequels. Uh, but James Cameron previously had stated that well, Avatar 2 and 3 would film back to back and then they would see how they do before they film 4 and 5. But apparently it's leaked that uh, he's impatient and he just he's already decided that these movies are going to be a hit. No, you know what, so you know what happened is, yeah. is he made so much money that he actually built the time machine from Terminator, went back in time, went forward in time, realized the movies were going to be a big success, then went back in time and just made the movies. Well, the thing is, he's got a huge... I mean, Avatar did really well internationally. So even if it bombs in the u.s it's probably gonna make a killing overseas yeah um, these movies did really really well internationally uh also the the four avatar titles have leaked online so i'm gonna i'm gonna read these titles off now i don't know these are actually not confirmed so these are uh, a rumor that was leaked out and uh, these might be working titles for all i know but the avatar titles are avatar the way of water avatar the seed bearer avatar the tolkien writer and avatar the quest of awa these these sound like these sound like Cirque du Soleil shows, man. I'd go to those Cirque du Soleil shows. Hell yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. Oh, yes. uh, geek news. Uh, it's been rumored that Guardians of the Galaxy three has been put on the shelf at least temporarily, and the rumor now is that instead of Guardians three, they're going to replace that uh, that release date with Doctor Strange two. Yeah, that's a that's a damn shame, man. Uh, I gotta tell you, that is a damn damn shame. I mean, like you know, Richard Gunn, or uh, um, yeah, he 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 he's gonna be okay. I mean, he's gonna be fine because he, now he's doing uh, uh, Squad Two. He's gonna Suicide be writing. Two. There was, uh, I think, I read that he will officially be directing also Suicide Squad Two now. Yeah, and that's that, and and you know what? I actually now I want to see that movie. That's like I, I had no interest in. It. I despised the first Suicide Squad movie. I thought it was horrible, but yeah. now I will go see Suicide Squad two just because of this. So yes, I agree. yeah, and so so there may there may not be a volume three of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. It may not ever happen, which would really be a damn shame. Uh, yeah. So it it may be shelved permanently, which would which it really could be. Um, I agree with you. Yeah, that would last, last story though. Last story before we uh, wrap up here is uh, Gladiator Two. Russell, Crow, not Russell Crowe, uh, Ridley Scott, the director of Gladiator, came out and said that he is moving forward on Gladiator Two. Uh, unfortunately, he has not going with the previously um, re- previously leaked premise that it was going to be 
Maximus coming uh, in the afterlife and, and battling someone in the afterlife. Now, now actually, there, it goes it, it's a little bit deeper. So for those of you who don't know, uh, there was actually a sequel to Gladiator that was written by Nick Cave of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And it was called Christ Killer. And it was about Maximus coming back through different battles and, and moments in history. And one of those moments would be that he uh, he's actually one of the guards that kills uh, Jesus on the cross. And then he goes through time fighting in different battles. Sounds mental. It sounds wow. mental. I did not, uh, I did not know the details on yeah. that. You find this stuff uh, online. The new, the new story though, is that it's going to be based on, I guess he saves, I kind of remember, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but he saves a kid in that movie. Mm-hmm. And this the story of the kid that he saves um, in his journey from a kid to a man to a gladiator. <laughs> really, Scott, if you are one of our seven listeners, please just make another alien film. Really, please yeah. just do that. So I got, <laughs> I got one last uh, story. Actually, this I've been saving this. This is my, you don't know this. This is my favorite story of the week. There is a Star Trek animated show that is being developed for CBS All Access. However, this is a comedy Star Trek animated series, and it's being written by one of the writers of Rick and Morty. So, um, yeah, Mike McCann, who's one of the writers. Okay, I feel like we kind of just got this, though, with the Orville by Seth MacFarlane. I mean, I don't really watch that show, but I guess they didn't have the official Star Trek license right. So now we're getting a show that's licensed with Star Trek and by the Rick and Morty uh, writers, which is be, uh, I think it'll be funnier than, than uh, personally, I think they're funnier than Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, I, I actually haven't seen seen the show, but but uh, this uh, this is going to be called Star Trek Lower Decks, and uh, it's uh, it's basically about the people who put the yellow cartridges in the food replicator, so a banana can come out on the other end. So it, it's basically like the guys who just kind of like you know the red shirts who. Because, you know, whenever they beam down to a planet, there's always like there's like Kirk and McCoy and Spock and some guy we don't know in a red shirt. And you're like, you're the guy who's going to get eaten by the alien. So it's the guy like, that operates the holodeck. <laughs> not even the guy who operates the holodeck. It's like the guy who who like makes the food happen for the guy who does the holodeck. So <laughs> the people that we never see who are just like underneath and are just like, they're throwing beans at each other all day. They're bored. They don't get to do anything. Or so, the people like during the space battles where they, the ship gets shot and you see people that are like getting like blown across the room. Like the, that's them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like just the, the, yeah. So, so people who, who occasionally if they need a dead body or they need something like that's, so that is uh, my favorite geek news of the week because I I want to see that show right now. I'm tired of watching reruns of Rick and Morty, although I'm not. I'm watching <laughs> them all again. God, that, you know. We're getting closer to Rick and Morty season four and uh, Black Mirror season four is uh, rumored to be released hopefully in December, although uh, I've heard that it may be pushed back into 2019. I'm a big Black Mirror fan, so that's the one I'm looking forward to this year anyway, potentially this yeah. year. Yeah, and uh, another one I'm looking forward to, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's a German show called Dark, which is like, it's like David Lynch meets Stranger Things and it's German. It's 
it's mental. It is if you haven't seen that dark on Netflix, it is definitely worth your time. It it there's a lot of characters to follow. It's like worse than Game of Thrones, but uh, in that regard, but it's it, it it's really it's a weird weird interesting show. So it's my recommendation of the week. I'll um, check it out. Uh, now, do we have a, do we have a book report segment this week, Andres? Did we uh, did you read a book this week? I did, and so finally, in closing, we are. Uh, I'm going to talk about a book that both you and I have read, and it is Gary Vaynerchuk's Jab Jab Right Hook. So, do we have uh, uh, do we have the book report music? Uh, we do. Here we go. Okay, because I got to get into the mood before we talk about a book. All right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. It was, a lot prepared. Week. it was a lot more impressive last week. I know, I know. I just, I just wasn't ready. But um, uh, Jeb Jeb Reich Hook is a. Uh, it explains how uh, managers and marketers and small businesses can capitalize on social media. So really, he he kind of wrote this book a, as a way to explain how people need to get into social media as a company and as a business if you haven't already. So in, in that sense, even though the book is fairly new, it is. A, Almost a little dated at this uh, at this point. It's not that um, new. I think it was like 2014, so it's actually already like four years old. Yeah, but it talks about it talks about where you know that basically social media uh, is important. And here's a you know there's a few uh, tips and tricks on how to make social media work for you. So uh, social media and 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 the title comes from the idea of like boxing, where you like you know, a boxing technique where you jab, 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 and then you give the right hook to knock them down. It's also a, a comedy. Uh, it, it's a, it's a comedy reference. Cause in comedy, you like do these little jokes and then you, you know, hit them with the right hook to, to knock them out. So well, meta- uh, kind of uh, my understanding of the metaphor is that when he says jab, 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 um, what he's saying is you're giving like pure value without asking for anything in return. So he's like value, 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 now ask for something so you have to you have to give like four times before you ask someone to take an action or before you pitch them on something so it's like you have to give four times the value to every one uh, offer that you make yeah so. absolutely especially in this day and age um and you know the first part of the book is basically him talking about the rise of social media and how it took 38 years to reach uh, uh 50 million people with uh, radio tv took only uh, 13 million people and with Instagram it only took a year and a half. So, um, you know, social media is definitely something that you need to be. We're in a uh, new world, man. We are in a new world. And yeah, I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk, I I, I kind of forget that book in particular. I've read a lot of his books, but he talks a lot about um, the idea of like attention arbitrage, the buying and selling of attention. And, you know, he'll, he'll even say that he doesn't care if Facebook goes away like tomorrow, the, the point, I mean, he talks about Facebook a lot now, but the point is that the attention, at least uh, up until maybe recently, it's dying down a little bit now, but the attention is on Facebook. And uh, wherever the attention is, that's where he focuses his marketing efforts on. And yeah, it's about exactly. buying the attention on Facebook through Facebook advertising. And and that's that, that's actually one of the things that he, he really hits up upon, which is that the that great marketing, a great marketing campaign really is about content more than anything else. So it's not just about repetitiveness. It's about creating, uh, you know, you've got to engross people in a story that provides brand exposure and ideally 
leads to the climax, which is the sale, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's really about, you've got to focus in on, uh, on, on how the content is, but the content has also got to represent the brand. So that is, uh, you know, especially in the days of DVR and ad blocking, if you don't have good content with your brand, then you won't, you won't make it. And it's got to look native. It's got to look uh, like it's seamless with, with whatever somebody's doing during their day. Exactly. Yeah, he actually has a lot of good examples in the book. So it's kind of a technical book where he gives a lot of sample posts and things. And he does have a whole section on native versus non-native ads. And the idea is that if you're going to have a promotional post, you want it to look like it belongs uh, with everything else on there. So you don't want your you don't want your advertisement to scream that I'm an ad. You know, you want it to look like it's a piece of content because it's seamless. It's like the idea of having like a sponsored um, article in the middle of a blog. It, it looks it looks organic in that situation. Whereas if you just had a big display banner in the middle of a blog, it's uh, it screams I'm an ad. So it's uh, there's a, a lot of uh, examples in that book. So it's kind of a technical manual in that regard too. Yeah, and it, it and and he does get into that quite a bit. Where um, uh, you, you you know based on how the content performs, it does something. Uh, he talks about edge rank on Facebook, and that gets into a whole technical thing. But basically, um, you know how if the content is seamless into someone's stream, so it looks as if it belongs between a picture of someone's kids and a picture of someone's food. Uh, then you can edge your your content to make it uh, stick out more, and uh, so you know that's part of the thing is create content that that basically does look like it belongs right in the feed. Um, then he gets into uh, hashtags and Twitter specifically, and this is kind of interesting because you know he talks about Twitter, but Twitter I think I don't think it's, it's as strong as a platform as it used to be, even just a few years ago. Um, but, uh, but one of the things he talks about, for instance, is something called trend jacking and trend jacking is where you take a popular issue and you create content around that particular topic. So, uh, every, if you go to twitter.com, you can see everything that's, that's trending right at that moment. And so creating a, uh, some content that's uh, specific for a particular hashtag for that day, uh, that will help boost your, um, uh, boost your content, uh, especially hashtags. And he talks about a little bit about hashtags. And, uh, if you don't know what a hashtag are, it's a way to categorize, uh, tweets and other type of con like uh, on other platforms as well. So, uh, you know, you can use, and networks where hashtags matter are Twitter. Number one, uh, Instagram is, is a big hashtag network. LinkedIn has actually started to adopt them more like in the last, couple months because they've introduced like the, the hash like all of a sudden it says you could follow these hashtags that's a newer feature on linkedin it's still not very prevalent at this point um yeah. but instagram is also pretty hashtag centric the thing about twitter andros is that it's it's not a good platform for content like twitter is a conversational uh twitter's good for conversations it's not good for content people are there to like pretty much uh talk about current events and argue with each other, but they're not really there to consume content. So it's a, it's a different, it's a different animal. So there's like different strategies that apply there, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. But one, uh, one platform that is good for content and a lot of businesses are not using it is Pinterest. And so the nice thing about Pinterest is that you as a company can have a company board, you can post other people's uh, content on your boards 
but you can also integrate it with your own content and not get into any serious trouble. So uh, uh, he mentions the idea. I mean, it, it's it's it definitely is biased towards women, but uh, but it's a huge platform and it can be used effectively for. Uh, for your own sales process. Well, so. like my wife is on Pinterest all the time and she's always, she always is looking for like do it yourself projects or crafts projects or like around the house. So like if, so if you are a, um, maybe not a realtor, but a constr- uh, into contract uh, construction or remodels, like people are on there looking at pictures of different like kitchens and uh, different ideas for kind of uh, how they can structure the living room, their house. So there's, there is a market for it for certain industries. I think it, I think it favors like construction, uh, crafts, things like that, where any, any industry where you can kind of show ideas for projects, I think would be the best yeah. use of Pinterest personally. And uh, in closing, what he really, his big advice is figure out what, what platforms are good for you because every platform is a little bit different. Um, Instagram is good. You know, it's a visual platform and it skews younger, Facebook uh, skews older, uh, and uh, so think about what your target demographic is. And when you figure out what that target demographic is, then because uh, there's no one size fits all for social media marketing, uh, you know, try new platforms, try different things, but but figure out the things that work for you best. And don't try and uh, be like a like a, you know, following a trend, be a bit of a trendsetter. But the best thing to do is be on the beginning of a trend. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you mentality, right? (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. So, uh, anyway, so that's, that basically covers jab, 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 right hook. Uh, you know, of course, read the book, support the, uh, writer, but, uh, you know, I read this book, so you don't have to. And, uh, anything else you want to, you want to cover, uh, on this week's episode? Just want to give, uh, again, thank you to all of our listeners and all of our donors out there we appreciate you we love you uh please feel free to donate to the show uh, it is because of you that our interns get to drink their <laughs> water out of a dish that's right that's right next week we're going to have a big announcement we are going to talk about our november uh webinar which will be free for everybody and what that will be about but in the interim We want to wish you a very, very happy day. It's going to be a November to remember. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, the Marketing Geek Show has come to a close. But remember, and we know it's hard, but we will be back next week with an all new edition of the Marketing Geeks. That's right. And don't forget, wherever you go, there you are. And most importantly, spay and neuter your pets. (sighs) Yes. Next week, we will talk about the uh, fifth step in our ongoing series. And we may throw in a seventh at some point. That's right. Thank you once again, all of our listeners. Go to our Patreon page. Please uh, make a little donation to us. We love you for it. And connect with us on LinkedIn. Let us know what you think of the show. Give us some feedback. 
Ladies and gentlemen, once again, Marketing Geeks, signing out. Stay classy.